Hello, you're listening to Common Ride With Me, a podcast about stunt-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington. You can call me Kip, and I'm your expert. This week, we watched Mighty Warfarin Power Rangers and looked at it its second season. It's Morphin' Time! And I'm glad to have you back. So this is a bonus episode. This is on a Monday, which is weird for us. But uh, the reason that is, is because right now I have a guest, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Hey, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. And Ryan, um, you um, are currently kickstarting Super Scouts. What's that? So Super Scouts is my latest uh, self-published comic that is a love letter, an homage, and a parody to all things Super Sentai. It follows the uh, classic Galaxy Quest model. So 20 years ago, a bunch of actors got famous for making the show Super Scouts. 20 years later, they're all washed up kind of in various different places in their lives. They find out that those campy episodes were based on real intergalactic battles. They have now been chosen by this cosmic entity to help them combat Lord Darkness before he destroys the world forever. You reached out to me to say that um, like you were like working on this. And I was like very excited because um, I love to see like more projects in the genre. Like I think it's like a very like rich vein, like not that many people are like doing what could be like very good work in so like i was like really interested um to see something that was like um more mature like more like genre savvy like going into this like too and like uh there's so much like that you can do a sent out you know dude totally i mean it I, I actually first came up with it and started kind of clutching out and wrote the script back in i think it was like 2014 and i knew really quickly i was like okay you have to like kind of get it to be the person that's going to draw this so i kind of put it in the box and put it away um, until I met Bruno, who's my, my artist. He's the uh, pencil inker colors. He just totally brought the thing to life. But like, really, I saw that live action American Power Rangers movie, you know, and I, I watched him just take all the fun out of it, and kind of all the magic out of it. Yeah, um, that's why I really like try to say with this comic, you know, I mean, it's the same with any kind of campy nerdy stuff. You know, there's you know, there's the Superman that shoots a mini Superman out of his finger. And then there's, you know, the symbol of justice and patriotism and you know, heroism that to me, like you were just saying, I mean, you said it best. It's such a rich kind of vein. You know, you say Power Rangers to anybody and they can give you a list of 10, 20 things that happen in any, any season of it. They, they get the <laughs> weapons, they do the flips, they get the bikes, they get the robots, the monsters get bigger. They felt like it's so well known to all of us that, you know, the thing I always say about this series is that it is an homage and a love letter before it's a parody. It's certainly, I think part of appreciating Super Scouts or uh, I'm sorry, appreciating Super Sentai the same way you appreciate your family members is you know what you love about them and you know what's goofy about them, you know? And that's why I think the series is, like you were saying, totally trying to use all the great genre elements of it, but also not taking the fun out and letting all the goofy stuff, you know, our, our, our first monster we meet is Nemetis. He's our tunneling subterranean monster. Um, for any of your younger viewers, you'll understand what the pun is when you get older. Um, but it's like totally just living in, you know, the, the goofy kind of over-the-top camp of it, as well as having real heart, real character stories. So you said Tunnelingus, and that's when you find some beef in a tunnel, right? Like Tunnelingus, that's it? <laughs> that's, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Thank God you were there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like, uh, for me, um, like, I just um, think, too, that, like, there are lots of people that, like, do get, like, little, like, uh, turned off by the... This is the 31st episode of my show about, like, Toku. So, like, we do talk about, like, stuff that is, like, weird, dark, and edgy, and, like, 
in different genres and like trying to do different things but also like we do talk about like the most popular version like of the four which is like the shows that are like for all ages or like pg-13 or for kids that are like they might be weird or like might be like very easy to make fun of but we should be past the point like a little bit where we uh, can't like enjoy something that is silly you know because like we've reached that point with cartoons and to like a greater extent with anime but that um like for something like um for toku it's not quite there but it's like slowly growing i mean look at you know look look at where marvel movies are these days you know that that is, i mean endgame made two billion dollars and 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 you know spoiler alerts for endgame i guess if you've been under a rock and haven't seen endgame but like it's a time heist intercosmic battle like endgame is some of the nerdiest shit you've ever seen in a movie ever right like it's it's all i mean that end the last four minute fight scene alone is just total nerdy camp kind of blasted out um so I'm sure, you know, the, the Super Sentai stuff's coming, especially sort of with kind of where adult animation's going. Like, it's such a big thing on Netflix and, and all these different streaming services. Like, you know, Hulu gets My Hero Academia and all the different uh, anime things every week. I think it's coming. You know, it, it's definitely, I think, yeah. I kind of call it like the, the DIY of it all. Like, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, so I, I, I know what it's like to watch an episode, like, when a robot comes in and a piece of it falls off, but you have to take it seriously anyway. So there's definitely sort of like a, a little bit of letting go you have to do that. Obviously, with stuff like, you know, this Toku stuff is, is probably a little diff- more difficult for a mainstream kind of American audience. But again, I mean, the genre convention and the story points are still there to, to such a degree. And it's just so well ingrained, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, the, the mm-hmm. millennial generation, especially as we mature, that it's, certain parts of it are still going to sing to you. Certain parts of it are still going to really speak to you. So I think it's going to kind of keep moving forward, especially now that, you know, nerdy stuff's like mass appeal. Like, you know, I can't believe mm-hmm. like almost everybody's like this point like so many, i can't believe how many people have at least dabbled with it or something like that so it's coming it's just i'm not sure i'm not sure what it'll take to make it make that jump to whatever the kind of pg-14 version of it although netflix just had that um they just did that ultraman adaptation that i think oh uh, yeah the ultraman like um that's much more like shonen like that's very like um very much like the weird like manga based off of like an old tv show kind of like approach which isn't like quite pure but that's like the soft underbelly of it sure but um like, i think actually right now um is the time where that is happening like um so i started this show because um it was meant to start to coincide with uh the new common rider show common rider zero one it's the first in the new era in japan like their emperor currently just abdicated the throne to his son so it's like a new period so it was the first show of a new period hmm. and um to coincide with that like um our theme song common rider love song was written in 1993 um and i found it in like 2009 or something um it, it was the only thing that showed up on itunes or spotify when i typed in common rider no way um, wow yeah and since like the show started um there's pluto and tubi and shout factory have like massively upped their game like there's um tubi which is like an on-demand kind of like netflix style thing for like a lot of toku and then there's uh pluto which is just the weird like cable substitute and they just have like a channel like 600 or something where you can go and watch 90 Sentai but in a, a weird airing order <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well what i what i loved about watching um what we watched was um when i was a kid well probably probably like a preteen probably when i was like 10 or 11 we got you know this is like sort of early age of the internet so like i guess no one knows how old i am 2000 2001 um on our cable channels we would get me and my brother called the japanese channel that it, it was black and white for like whatever reason. Uh, it didn't have sound, but it would have like Dragon Ball GT, like all the stuff that hadn't aired in the States yet. 
What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we got it. Like, it must be like it was like partial, like premium signal, kind of like bleeding through. Because um, it was yeah. in, it was in, like there were no subtitles or anything like that. So I'm sure it was in Japanese. But it had all kinds of like crazy Toku stuff on it. So there was something. There was something like I love the experience of. I'm also going to shout out um, Shout Factory. It has no ads. Like I, I yeah. watched a whole bunch of Die Ranger just like just sat on my couch with a big bowl of popcorn and let it rip. Um, especially you know those 20 minute episodes, you can just throw them back. Um, but yeah, so that that's why there was something funny to me that. Um, you know, way back when with nerdy stuff, you kind of had to like seek out information. Mm-hmm. Like I remember like, like, you know, learning like how to make a Pokemon evolve in a game. You had to like talk to the guy who had a friend that bought the game book and you had to find information. Um, yeah. So I kind of love this like feeling of like having to sleuth around online to kind of find these episodes. And like you're saying, you hit these pockets and they're just full of all kinds. I mean, there's at this point, there's so much history that you can go back and watch and binge. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's cool. It's definitely out there now and it's accessible. It's funny. It's kind of in these third party, although Netflix um, which is where I watched the Power Rangers episode. Yeah. Had although I don't think I don't think it had them in airing order. Like it had the seasons all on there, but they were in a strange order too. Maybe they're alphabetized. I love the visual of like most kids were like trying to like go by like the channel really fast to maybe see a boob when you were trying to see Dragon Ball GT <laughs> or something or like some hundred percent. It's trying to make, especially like you know like especially the anime just flashing lights and violence. It's like who is this person? What does any of this stuff mean? But I mean, God, it looks cool. So who cares? Yeah, and um, like it just um. Right now feels like it's going to be that flashpoint for Toku just because it's on Spotify all of a sudden. Like three months ago, just every Kamen Rider song from the past 20 years. And like I'm more of like a like fan of like Kamen Rider than Sentai. But like I grew up on Power Rangers. They just all appeared on Netflix. Huh. Or on Spotify. Sorry. And um, that was great. And like um, like I think that like Toei Tokusatsu Network is like a two month old YouTube channel that's aired like 300 odd episodes completely subbed available like in english of like shows from the 70s and 80s and it's just like weird i feel like it's gonna like it's like taking in wind right now and it's about to like blow back out you know i mean i'll tell you we're, we're like just a couple of good funko pops or it's like something that gets people to because it's so visual you know like you can tell i mean just even with mainstream um american comics that so many people love looking at all this stuff because it's such a rich visual world and kind of like pulling elements from it that what it, I'm, I'm not sure what the thing's going to be to get people to just go to the source, whether they have to do some version of it or something like that. But like, like you're saying, I mean, we're definitely knocking on the door. It might be Ultraman, honestly, because people kind of know who Ultraman like is as like a character in like a franchise. But then like just last year, they like won litigation to basically some weird company in I think Thailand um, was able to like forge some documents saying they owned Ultraman everywhere. But <laughs> But Japan, so they were like in court forever, and then and they finally ended that case, which is huh. why you have that Netflix show, which is why Marvel's making a like huge comp for them, which is why it's on Crunchyroll. I think Ultraman just has like that little bit of like cultural relevance, but also such a huge backlog, and like it's like a really good, just kind of like very comic booky, like iconic figure that can be like riffed on, like in that Netflix show, and like can be in Marvel comics. So I think that might be it. Well, and there's also you know with a. Uh- Specifically talking with Power Rangers, you also kind of have like the teen, like the teen drama, interpersonal, like team dynamic thing going on. That Ultraman, like you're saying, is definitely more of a sort of down the middle superhero thing to me. So that that would kind of make sense. That's easier spot to like. I, I would definitely say Ultraman sort of like a more of a Superman, whereas you know Power Rangers more of like an X Men kind of thing. Which you know that teen stuff, if you do it right, it's great. And if you do it wrong, it can just like totally shut people down. Too. So I could see that part of it too. And uh, they did it wrong. No, they did the team stuff right in that movie that came out like 
two or three years ago, but they did the rest wrong. There just wasn't that joy, like you're saying. Like they overly complicated and like made the designs weird. Like what's wrong with somebody wearing a costume and doing like some slightly realistic non-CG kicks, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, if, if you don't understand why, like this, I mean, especially the episode we're going to talk about, this giant tofu man with trumpets coming out of his head. Like, if you don't get why that's wonderful, you're not the person to be telling this. Because it, it's it's just totally ingrained in it. It's like crazy. Um, but I mean, the, the best part of that movie to me was, um, forgive me, I forget the actress's name who played Rita, walking around screaming for Krispy Kreme in that crazy voice. Where's yes. the Krispy Kreme? Like, she's the only person who knows what movie she's in. Like, she's the one that gets what this is supposed to be, but they're giving her nothing to do. I mean, she's doing her best. Like, they had, like, um, special crossover Krispy Kreme donuts that were, like, all the different Power Ranger colors, too. Of course they did. And I'm so mad, like, I didn't get those when they came out. But, yeah. <laughs> it's not that, like, it's, at a certain point, you have to say, okay, we have people that wear armored suits and have dinosaurs that combine. And it's fun because you see how they combine. They're fighting a space witch who has like a cool army of like clay people. That could be so cool. Like you could be full on like Ray Harryhausen, just like let's just have like some cool like claymation that's like slightly modified by like rotoscoping and like have it just like look bizarre, like you know. But they didn't like even do that. Like it was just like these dumb rock people that we've seen a million times. I mean, especially going back through, um, you know, we were doing Super Scouts. So Bruno, the reason I made this book was. Um, I was kind of like really getting the itch, you know, I was like, I love this stuff. I love, I, as a writer, I love subgenre. That's what I love to dive into. And like these, for, for like us nerds, like I said, you know, you can ask someone to talk to you about Power Rangers and they'll, they can let 10, 20 things like so easy. I said, this is a role I'm dying to play. And a friend introduced me to Bruno and I was like, Hey, I'm looking for an artist that like loves Power Rangers. Cause it's, it's a really heavy uh, artistic assignment. Cause you have to do the characters. You got to do them in the suits. The suits are going to have to change at least once. We got to do vehicles, weapons, monsters, minions, mm-hmm. the monster, like, you know, it, it for, for for any artist, but especially for indie comics, that's a really tall order. So I said, this has to be somebody who loves this thing. Um, so a friend introduced me to Bruno, and he, like, grew up watching uh, Flashmen and Changemen, like, when they originally aired. So he was okay, like, oh. yeah. He's like, holy shit, this is, like, my dream project. So when we started, like, really trying to kind of distill it to not just necessarily be a Power Rangers book, but, like, when we, when we do their suit designs, especially trying to say, like, how can you look at it and immediately say this is Sentai, but not necessarily kind of nest it under one of the franchises? We went through so many, like, there's some, I think they might be back in print now. The concept art books for those early series are insane. They are wacky and fascinating in, like, the coolest way. If anybody who's listening, if you ever want, like, to go on a good internet tangent when you get home, just Google, like, Power Ranger Monster concept art, or you'll you'll find the, the correct Japanese. But you'll go down these rabbit holes, and it's all this, like, really beautiful um color pencil like original drawings and it's just like you're saying you know so many things these days like you can kind of like do like um, a chart that gets you from like i don't know like a, a minion putty patroller in that new movie to like doomsday from batman versus superman to like the bad yeah. guy from wonder woman like it's all just these like gray angry blob people and like this stuff you know you go through this original art book and it's just all like yeah it's all just so evocative i think that's the first word i would use for any of these monsters they're all just like so goofy and of themselves, like especially watching that original um, Die Ranger series. Like, yeah, Die Ranger is like great. He's this purse man that then opens and he throws these heads. Like everything is crazy. Yeah, and like I think, um, like it's hard too because like I think there's some cases with like, oh, we did Doomsday and we did the, and it was like, well, yeah, but Doomsday works because he's in a colorful comic that he's this big gray dude. It's meant to be like a contrast to Superman. Right. You can't just like make him look like that when Superman 
might be wearing black, might be wearing blue. I forget, you know? Sure. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's just, there's something about how bombastic the villains are too, that I think just kind of like really suits, especially, I mean, like, you know, taking the joy out of it. Like, I don't know, so many, you know, it's the same thing with me, like uh, the new Godzilla movie. It's like all the monsters are just, we're just, we're here to break things all the time. And it's like dark and heavy. Like the, the monsters, especially again, binging these Die Ranger episodes are all so charismatic and bombastic and wild like they're all they're all much more Heath or um I'm sorry Mark Hamill Joker than like Jared Leto Joker you know they're all just so campy and fun um and interesting that, that and you never want to go full Jared Leto right not not on your worst day do you want to go full Jared Leto but there's also just something I don't know you know teenagers teenagers with attitude doing martial arts beating up these monsters if you if you try to make the monsters take themselves too seriously it just kind of brings this level of melodrama to it like it's kind of cool that to me at least I always thought of the monsters as kind of these forces of nature. You know, they're all they're just these crazy, wild, charismatic things that kind of get up to whatever they get up to because they, you know, like in the original Star Wars trilogy, Palpatine shoots lasers out of his fingers because he just loves being evil. He just nothing makes him happier than frying up Luke Skywalker with some light. Yeah. Like, I don't think you need a ton of, you know, it, it, I remember someone taught me once that if, if your villains can be one dimensional, if that one dimension is just sharp and fun enough, you know, I don't really need to know why, what tragic thing happened to Palpatine. Make him shoot people with lasers out of his fingers. Oh, exactly. If, if he's got enough fun shooting lasers out of his fingers, or if you're this tofu guy with, with horns in his head that just likes going to drinking contests, just go for it, man. Like, let it rip. Like, as long as you're fully formed, just go for it. Yeah, and too, like, um, I could talk for way too long about, like, the Star Wars effect and, like, the, like, big CGI, like, blob effect where, like, I watched that most recent, like, Godzilla movie and there was no weight to the monsters. And I was like, ah, uh, I, I really just want to see you at least pretend or at least like animate or like have some kind of motion capture that like indicates there might be people here. Like, <laughs> yeah, like there totally. might be that like base here, which is um the starkest comparison has to be that first Pacific Rim to, to the second one. Where yes. in the first one, like it was like, oh, these all have to be things that would work as suits. And the second one was just like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there here's B or uh, like like J V Transformers for the rest of the movie. And like I wanted to I just um talk really quickly about um uh, the like story that like you're telling and like i um saw lots of like cool like i wasn't sure like how much were nods or how much were like stuff for you to like look um like go back and look into but like um the first thing i noticed was that the team um reminded me a lot of uh the jack team so jack was a 70s super sentai it's like the second super sentai H- have you heard of that i haven't um he's, i got my computer open right now can you spell it for me J A K Q. They are um a um a like team that like solves problems in the world and basically like their like original team was um Spade Ace, which is like red, a like blue jack, a like pink queen, a like um Oh yeah, yeah. This is the one with the white guy in the middle with the Yeah, with the like that's what yes. I thought like as soon as I saw your um y- your mentor figure too. With the white. Oh yeah. Fuji Hiroshima is his, is the name that they know him by. Which there's a reason he's named that. Don't worry. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. We did look at this one. Funny enough, I didn't know it by name, but we went through because, you know, obviously, you know, me being a American millennial, the first place we went was, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, that original yeah. poster. Um, but, you know, it's so going down the world of helmet shape, visor shape, gloves and boots is like, I mean, we probably spent at least two weeks just sending stuff back and forth. And like I said, trying to distill it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is actually a, a much better touchstone. I mean, we, we definitely looked at one of these at one point. Um, 
But we never, there was never one picture that we tried to say, let's take this, but clone it over. It was definitely yeah. just, like I said, it's, um, it's actually, I can probably send the image if you want. What we do is we start with, or this is Bruno's process, um, is that every character gets distilled to a shape that who they are as an emotional character, we distill to a shape. Um, and that shape informs their body. I really language. like that about, um, when you see like your like suits, like at least like mm-hmm. in one version, they do seem to like have that shape. It was like inhabits like the center of like their form too. And like their posture. And like, I like really like that. Like, uh, yeah, very much so. Cause it's all supposed to be an extension of themselves. Right. So that was definitely something we tried to keep, you know, sort of give it purpose, but then also just, at the end of the day, no matter what character-driven version of it you do, it's like, okay, now pause. Does this look cool? And then if not, then we, okay, how can we make this? The one thing is uh, the um, White Ranger and the leader in Jack, uh, his um, transformed name is Big One. So that's just a <laughs> hard act to follow for you. Like, I'm not sure if you like uh, can manage that, if you can like yeah, follow up Big One. That's a hard one. That's tough. Well, we'll see. The, the White Scout, so the White Scout... Um, so for the folks who don't know, in Super Scouts number one, um, it's been 20 years since they were on the air and sort of at the peak of their popularity. And now um, the original cast members have sort of fallen out of touch with each other. The main, uh, our main character, Seth, the former Red Scout, runs a sort of museum that's a tribute both to sort of his success in the series and the person he used to be. Uh, Willie, who was uh, a little boy when the series originally aired, has now grown into a full man and used all of his financial success to start what he calls a self-help group. That's definitely not a cult, definitely a cult called Scoutology. Um, James, who was the former Green Scout, is now the star of a series of illicit and uh, non-official Super Scouts pornography spinoffs. And the Mer- uh, Meredith, our Pink Scout, has not been seen in quite some time. So if, um, when Fuji Hiroshima, the man who created the Super Scouts TV show, rounds them all up, they haven't talked in quite some time. Um, then when he reveals to them all that the stories they acted in were based on true his true adventures, uh, in space, we do see him in the white Super Scout uniform. But what its powers are and sort of the secrets it holds uh, are actually, that's a good tee-up, will be what we explore in uh, issue three. That's very exciting. Um, one thing I like, too, was um, not to uh, talk too much on that on that second issue that um, like most people haven't seen yet, but um, there's a little bit of like a like um, mirror match, like the team versus themselves thing going on. And like there was um, one that, um, so Kickator Zero One from the 70s, I've not watched the show, but I like learned about this one plot point and was like, it got me invested enough to watch like the 42nd episode only or something. Um, <laughs> so basically um, in the show, the main character is this Android that's stopping an evil terrorist group. And like midway through, he gets like his um, female partner Android that like also is like, can also transform and, and like that. Um, and then the villainous group, they hire a, um, roving android samurai that who's just like super depressed <laughs> wonderful just to kill the main character yeah um so what happens is um in like that 40 something episode there's a machine that um makes evil versions of the um two main characters and like it's like they're like their opposite machine selves and, and it does the same for like that like depressed samurai so all they do <laughs> is just like hang out and like be like huh what, yeah. like what do we want in life just apathetic as hell that's awesome oh my gosh yeah. that's so cool i'm I'll definitely have to get send me a link to that yeah i mean i think again a, the mirror match trope i think is just something that's like so you know and any kind of given you know whenever you reboot a power ranger series i think at some point you're running into that one at some point running into dark rangers at some point just just so good it, i mean but see it's that classic like it, it's it's 
you can do you know violent plotty conflict stuff um but then it's all character design. did this did this kick either uh zero one did this get turned into vr troopers at one point or does the guy just have a very similar colors so in the 70s kick was very big it only had two series in the 80s there's metal hero stuff which is like vr troopers and beetleborgs i'm pretty sure that the main dude from vr troopers his version from japan that was adapted from was mm-hmm. an homage to oh i see Kikaida. okay not okay, that cool. yeah uh, i know that's like, the one they piecemealed together that was a couple different but it wasn't yeah, that was like three different shows or something like VR Troopers. Um, and also um, six episodes back in episode 25, um, like we had on a um, professor who grew up in like um, Hawaii and talked about like a lot, um, like what a big deal like Kikaido was in like Hawaii and how like it's like still like a major like cultural touchstone to this day. And it was like a really great like it was like a huh, no way. I mean, never know things are going to catch on. That was like there was that. Um documentary that came out called searching for sugar man about this american yeah um, acoustic musician who was like not successful here but he absolutely <laughs> the beatles and the rolling stones in south africa so funny when things kind of catch on like that at the right time and then wasn't the answer that he was he wasn't actually missing he was just touring <laughs> oh yeah well yeah they so in south africa they all spoil alerts for anybody that wants to watch this documentary but in south africa there was all these stor- crazy stories about how he like killed himself on stage like everybody had a different story about how rodriguez died and then like in the early 2000s someone's like hey we have like the internet and globalism now, we should just find out what happened to this guy. And he was a uh, demolition worker. He was working hard labor in, like, Detroit, smashing houses with, with sledgehammers. He had no idea that he, in for 40 years in, in South Africa, he outsold the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Like, to, to them, he was, you know, the rock and, roll, rock and roll hero of the world. So he went over there, he played, like, he sold out shows for, like, 5,000 people. That's good. Yeah, good for him. Just from these, these, these two dudes, like, knocking on his door. Yeah, wild. Wild stuff. Seems like maybe there's like uh, like some checks that went missing, but yeah. Yes, there's that part of the. the well, I'll tell you what though, this is um. So I've fully written Super Scouts Volume One, and we actually just completed the art on it. Crazy surreal moment. Um, but so we're we're actively working on uh kind of loose scripting for season two. So that Hawaii anecdote is definitely worth looking. Yeah, that and like I really want to um, at some point have like a big like what's going on in like brazil and like south america it's like like they also have like a very like different toku like relationship like over there too so totally i mean some it's so interesting because it's especially like bruno's art style is very heavily um manga influenced because they which is pretty traditional of at least in indie comics world if you go delving into uh south american specifically brazilian artists you're gonna find a lot of heavily manga people um, but I think it's because they just ended up being flushed with kind of equal amounts of entertainment, of American entertainment and um, Japanese entertainment. So you can, that's why you can tell when Bruno does some of our action scenes, it feels very manga-esque. And when I, you know, and actually I think it is in issue three, he goes, like, what's the guy doing when he unleashes, you know, his thing? Basically like Kamehameha. He's like, okay, yeah, done. Like yeah. you can picture that, you know, you know that stance immediately. Um, well, exactly. Um, one last um, Japanese show like you might want to like, look into is um this is a weird one but uh, it's called um something something it's hakonin sentai akiba ranger it was a two season made for adults parody of super sentai and like it was um actually made by like made by toei so it's about like three three losers that like live in like i never pronounced it right but they live in like hakihabra and they um and basically like what they need to do is like use the power of their delusions to um <laughs> to fight monsters that only exist in people's delusions but can change reality because of it like it's a very like endearing show but also it's like a very good like 
meta commentary like on the whole franchise too it's great totally cool yeah for sure but um <clears throat> most importantly is um it is always good to look at your 90 sentai and with that l- let's move over to our uh weekly chat coverage of mighty Warfare power rangers um it has been separated into parts and this is the um first part of the second season of mighty Warfare power rangers which is uh called mutiny now this was a th- a like three episode arc <laughs> honestly i went through like a lot of these and like all of them were like three or five episodes where i thought they were one episode but uh, for <laughs> this one um i watched all three episodes I did not force Ryan to. There was not much to learn from it, honestly. But uh, I did watch all three. If you know, I, yeah, I want my bonus points. Yeah, bonus points. Yeah, there we go. We'll talk about it. Um, and basically, um, this is the start of that second season. They got some swag. They know they're like a big deal, and they're changing some things around, including like their new villain. And yeah, um, what was your impression of th- these episodes, Ryan? Um, now, go. I remember these ones very vividly. Um, the the piranha monster was a big deal action figure in my house growing up so it's pretty pretty locked into my brain funny enough um it's now coming back to it like you know post modern golden age of television and what have you um it's kind of funny watching him try to like semi retcon itself in like a funny way it, it's yeah it's really funny it took three episodes to do this um and to me not to get too far ahead of ourselves it's funny that um where they really kind of keep it more kiddie kid oriented on this show i would say because like it's it's sort of bleak like they they kind of lose for the first 40 minutes just repeatedly like they just keep running yeah. into this wall and then they explode through it um sort of at the tail end of the third one um so it, it was kind of funny to me that they they kind of let them lose like that in such a real way because i feel mm-hmm. like especially you know nowadays you know famously like in the fast and the furious movies like vin diesel's never allowed to be physically defeated on screen or whatever whatever the rules are and yeah. stuff like that um, but like this, like it's it's kind of like forty minutes of them getting their their butts whooped, um, which which really surprised me. Yeah, and um, it's just like a weird shift for the show too, because like you kind of feel them pushing back against stuff. Like there's like an effort in these episodes, and like a little later to like recenter like Jason as the main character a little bit, but they kind of don't succeed because like it's still clear that like very much like Tommy has like superseded him in in like in in the show even honestly like they're trying really hard to like reorder things or like keep some kind of like normalcy and not like have like one character, like that they didn't plan, like break out basically. Totally. To- especially it's, you know, I remember the show being so procedural in a funny way, kind of monster of the wiki. And it's funny kind of watch, especially compared to die range you're watching this show now, try to try to do like a, a three episode event arc like this. And yeah. And it doesn't know kind of how to give it those legs. But I mean, now to say that especially they're doing everything they can to like get that giant hook and pull Tommy off the stage so that Jason with his new giant earring can keep uh, doing his thing. And like um we skip a lot of that like um our last episode was when the Green Ranger first came in like as like an evil character. So like Great. we like basically skipped like two thirds of the um like first season, which it's fine. But uh, yeah, <laughs> um like it's like Wait. a what happens though is that um the character for like um 
the Green Ranger in the Japanese show, he's like been in like deep sleep since the time of the dinosaur. So he's like having that catch up, but he's dying. So he just like <laughs> there's this point where he just like dies and stops being character and there's no more footage. So they're like, that's what they do with Tommy. Like his powers just like are like gone forever. And they're like, oh, bye, Tommy, your powers are gone. And then like five <laughs> yeah. episodes later, they bring him back. And they're like, your powers are fading, but it's all right. You're still here. Please yeah, stay on the show. We found some footage inside one of these vaults somewhere. I guess we could use. That's actually really interesting because like um, there's this thing called a uh, zoo two, I guess that is like the last 20 episodes of Power Rangers and the first like 15 episodes of like the second season are like predominantly footage that was filmed for Power Rangers in oh, Japan. So they had like custom footage filmed after they ran out of like their footage. Right, right. So like, if huh. you notice um, that like they never actually fight like for as much as like a big deal is like the like um, Toronto's head felt like in my head <laughs> for like destroying the Zoras and all that stuff. I was like, oh, they don't actually fight him. And they had to cut because I guess originally he fought like the dinosaurs. Um, so like they didn't actually show them having any contact in their fight, like in the Megazord fight either. Oh, that's right. He just does the brain control. Yeah. So it's really funny to see like how they're trying to use like their footage. But yeah, well, it's funny. Going, I, I thought it was strange to go back to it too, that um, you get, especially like for me as, you know, now an adult person sort of with, again, with modern story sensibilities coming back into it um, as we kind of start, you know, they get kind of beat up and, you know, as you can feel kind of the winds of change blowing through here, Cordon drops this nugget of like, Oh yeah, there's this huge intergalactic war going on. And Zed's focus has been entirely oh. on this other front, but now his, you know, the eye of Sauron has now shifted back to Angel Grove. I'm like, what? That sounds awesome. <laughs> I want to know everything about this. Why? Well, who cares about Tommy? Get him out of here. Open, get that looking orb open again and show me the alien wars. In the fifth episode of the five episode, like evil Green Ranger arc, there's this great moment in the second to last scene where Zordon, who hasn't been there since like the end of the first episode where he got like taken from our dimension, he just says, the prophecy has been fulfilled. Nothing before that. Nothing after that. <laughs> like, never any reference to it at any point. Just he writ like, all the sentence is like him reacting to like the Power Rangers, like shaking hands with Tommy. He's like, the prophecy has been fulfilled. Nothing. Oh, the, the two great prophecies are Anakin Skywalker and the Green Ranger, I guess. Just, someone said something that's important and we all believe it now. Um, so this episode starts with them going on an ATV scavenger hunt or is it a marathon i don't know for charity uh which <laughs> i don't i really don't know what's going on with this show because <laughs> like they've done lots of stuff but they in the episodes we've seen it's been like a science fair a food festival a karate competition here's an atv race that might be a scavenger hunt might because be a marathon supposed, it's kind of like the da vinci code or like national treasure because there's also like clues that i guess yeah. they have to like decode maybe that's just so billy can have something to do because you can tell they had no idea what to let him say in a bunch of these scenes i kind uh, of assumed it, it was like so they could come back and win by doing the clues because it wasn't just a race while they were like gone for 40 minutes but i don't know right, right, right yeah i guess yeah anything that lets them pull over and talk to each other i guess there's this great song that plays when they start to race it's just like um they must just had the dude who did all the songs for power rangers there and just constantly making music because when they start to race, it's the same voice as the opening, but he starts to be like, ride, go, the machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Cause especially like, 
you know, I assume English is his first language, if this is the American version of having him do, but it's definitely sort of this like very like clean, sterile track like that. Cause I mean, it has that clear guitar tones on it. So like, you know, it's like MMPR, you know, like late 80s shred music. Um, but yeah, it's like weirdly campy and ridiculous. Cause it's same with the, a bunch of the fight scenes have this through this season yeah. too. Just, Kick jump. Yeah. Th- and you're right. He's just like, like tenacious D somewhere in a garage, just cranking out hits for him, I guess. So I was like, um, for like a future episode, looking at the soundtrack to the Power Rangers movie. And at the very end, it's like, and this was done by this like person under like a pseudonym. And it was like, okay, it didn't, it was the most recognizable like disguise I've ever heard. It was just his voice being like, ride the wind, ninja powers. I was like, is this is your pseudonym. This is you trying to break out. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it almost seems like, He's like a musical, like Tommy Wiseau, almost. Who just like, yeah, truly. Can't this help. guy, no, nobody knows who he is. He's Kaiser Soze. He's just a mysterious magician. He should have been a character at some point. That is, oh man, that's wild. He's nervous. That's no, like, um, like he made one for the Power Rangers movie to release a song that sounds like every Power Rangers song, <laughs> and it's. I don't know what you're like doing, my I mean, dude. That, that, that reminds me of like like Leonard Skinner. Like they kept changing their band name just so they could play play songs at the same bars because they would book them again on accident. Like, <laughs> did you get fired? And you're like, I know what I'll do. I'll just change my name. And I know what they like. They just don't like me. Fascinating. This was less work than a mustache, though. He <laughs> yeah. just changed his name to Ash instead of Rod. And it's like, okay, <laughs> Ash, it's totally you. Well, but I guess no. he, he's maybe he reached his final form. Who knows? Maybe it's not a pseudonym. Maybe it's like an upgrade. Like, no, no, yeah. I'm about to blow up from this Power Ranger soundtrack. I want to have a cool name. Bye, Rod. Now I'm at Yeah, and I guess they use a bunch of the same music from Power Rangers for VR Troopers because it's the same company. They just, oh, interesting. That's really weird to me that they'd cross over the music. But um, Yeah, that that I mean, that one is... I'm not sure how much you've gone down that rabbit hole, but that, that show to me is like pretty unwatchable because it's like... that. You know, that's the one where all the heroes are never on screen together at mm-hmm. the same time. So it's just like... I mean, the, the hoops they jump through to make that work is... I mean, it's a fascinating like story prompt challenge. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, the um, probably in the running for second best Toku podcast would have to be taking me back to my virtual like reality, which is going through episode by episode in um, and like VR troopers. And it's very funny. Like they're just like very spot on about like the weird inconsistencies <laughs> and stuff. And they're like a very good show. Oh, um, cool. But yeah. So um, then we get to meet Lord Zed, who comes in to depose Rita, I guess, because she's not doing good enough. And I love that this is what they this is when the the American crew had their chance to make a villain and they make a Clive Barker Star Wars character. <laughs> right. That's such a perfect summary. Yeah, 100%. And like he's just like screaming and like smoking cigarettes at the same time and he has like these like weird tubes in him and he's got like metal yeah, covering his stuff. They did those close-ups of purple stuff being pumped through the like it was like a coming back to Batman and Robin Bane version. They had weird yeah. stuff being pumped through him. And don't forget the the boa constrictor for whatever reason. Just to turn into his staff, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, that's right. I was like, wait, his staff's a snake the whole time. Yeah. Like his uh Nagini, I guess. It's Harry Potter before Harry Potter was on that same like turf. Um like it's just like very interesting that um they just <laughs> are trying really hard to um get Rita out because they don't have like original like footage like from that actress so like most of the episode you can't see her face or she's briefly like a weird action figure for a second and it's just yeah 
so she gets thrown into space um and and that's kind of like it like the rangers just have to like fight new putties because like they're from lord zed and they're like oh they're way stronger but they can just be punched in the z on their chest and they like have a really cool claymation effect where they explode yeah like straight up army of darkness like animation effect but like i just like love the dumbness of being like i've made super strong like minions that could be killed by being punched the place that you punch people most often well and they they go through the the effort of that first fight scene one they all they all start losing and then when when they're hitting them anywhere but the and it also it's an enormous z like it's bigger it's than a dinner plate um but they even add in the foley sound of like a hammer hitting art like metal so like really high like no no this is some thick armor like yeah this is made of a bunch of snakes this is bad armor there's a bunch of snakes yeah they really yeah they really i mean i get it they it, it's funny though because they they really try to what really hit me on the japanese shows i thought no offense to anybody involved i thought the japanese shows were like much better directed because yeah. the american ones they just like they put it in a medium shot and they're like just run at each other and so it, that's why it, like there's never gravitas to a lot of those things because that's why, like the putties it's it's weird now because like a lot of it like if they didn't have such good looking costumes, it could be a YouTube video, um, but they don't do a lot to make like Zed gets. I mean, maybe they spend all their money on Zed's rotating chair because his intro is like this yeah. dude is bad news and he is scary and he's a problem. You know, they, he gives Goldar an upgrade right out of the gate. So, you know, Goldar is a problem. Oh, my gosh. I know. Like, like, is that like, you know, I'm always so curious because like you said, Clive Barker, Star Wars, like this guy is like sort of Hellraiser, but he's also Darth Vader. But then yeah. like. Like, are you trying to do like weird Christian metaphors that that this guy is Satan and he's giving Goldar his wings back because they were clipped or something like like, or is it just make a great action figure? Is there something genius happening here or is it purely fun? I have no idea. So surprised. That's what they picked. It's such a complicated design. and It's so evocative. And it's just like we, we wouldn't get that effort nowadays. Like, you know, like I yeah. think that um your point on like, the fight scenes being plain is like a good one, but also like it's nice in the world of like movies like taken where it takes like 34 cuts, like get over a fence that they're at least like showing people doing stunt work and like more so even when it's like the actual like main cast and like, we don't see that much here, but it's like really cool to be like, Hey, (laughs) these are people doing flips and stuff. Well, especially I like the, I I will say, I I really did like the stunt choices that there's sort of this thing happening in um, modern movies and, and TV right now. Like soon as you know, um, uh, what Wing Chun is. As soon as you know what Wing Chun is, it yeah. kind of like ruins 80% of action scenes. Everybody does just like flurry of punches and like the same couple moves over and over again. So this is, like you're saying though, we do sit wide, but they really, especially when we get to talk about like the playground fight, like they're all, they're jumping off at everything and making it work. Why is she fighting like It Man? Why is he fighting like It Man? <laughs> Everybody's It Man at this point. Black Widow's It Man, like Vin Diesel's It Man, The Rock's It Man, everybody's It Man. <laughs> I'm just imagining that actually, just like Black Widow, It Man, Vin Diesel is It Man. The It Man shared universe? I'm here for it. Yeah. Let's just do it. Why not let them all It Man the hell out of each other? It would have been so easy to like just like draw like a random Z and paint on like on like the putty assuming it's like a random point where they got like their power from and they're weak, but it's like fun how dumb it is. Yes. Harry, especially they 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 go through so much effort of letting them do that little fashion show thing when they like pose off like it looks like an old school like arnold schwarzenegger bodybuilding thing where they, he brings the putties in and they all just like flex for a minute on the stairs like these guys yeah. are trouble and like that fan and that like cool face on the castle will like 
forever be like in my mind like hearing that music and seeing that fan i was like oh okay this is just in me you know oh man that fan that fan is like straight out of the music video that fan is incredible that's like an industrial like new metal lincoln park music video set that they just decided to shove this alien but you're right it really i mean same with the i i, I will say i might have maybe fast forwarded through some of the bulk and skull scenes yeah as soon as i hear that that weird as soon as i hear that sound coming whatever that i know like what is it synthesizer but it's like it it might be like an electric armpit fart like it's the weirdest sound effect but you're right like it just it will be in my brain till the day i die what do i remember from ap chemistry it's like it's like a like polka band like fell down (laughs) (laughs) which i guess is the point though right i mean it's on it's on point but no um and um i just um can't get over like after you said that fans from like a music video like i just imagined zed in like the video for like november rain just like looking around just I mean, that's what it looks like, all, like the fog effect and everything. I was yeah. like, are you kidding? Like, I'm waiting for Seal to come and do Kiss from a Rose is what it looks like. Though, like, Zed does totally fit in, like, that late period, like, Batmanville and, like, that kind of territory, which is kind of cool. Because he, he doesn't fit the rest of the cast at all. Yeah, it that's works. true. Because, yeah, it does. I mean, I like him. He's fun and he's menacing. He's also, the nice thing about him is that he really, like, there's a lot of stakes and, like, urgency in this episode. Yeah. Like, he really makes it feel big and dangerous in a cool way. And I guess like they got like lots of like letters from Paris and stuff, and they had to tone him down later, which I find <laughs> really funny. It's funny to this day; he's one of the only ones my mom will always remember. Eyeball guy, and she calls him the naked man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she'll call him the naked bloody man. But yeah, he has he's got legs in the little house. He's been he's been talked about for almost thirty years now. Yeah, um, my co-host's favorite monster was the eye guy. Mine was um mine was Pudgy Pig. Oh, I love Pudgy Pig too. I even I even got the Funko Pop. He just and it's also it's that classic mix of like finding a way to use his power again. Like that is like a Power Rangers episode, like under a microscope, like the, the points you want to hit. And also like they had like three or four different Vor monsters in Power Rangers. Like looking back at it, like one ate their faces, one ate them, <laughs> one ate their weapons. It's because well, I really enjoyed um, doing Super Scouts, just going down a rabbit hole of learning. I mean, people have tracked like which monsters they like cut the body suits apart yeah. of and then stitch together and repainted. It's, the, the amount of information is pretty incredible because it's all fans. You know, like Star Wars, you have like, you know, the official abridged whatever thing that tells you about all the parts. But like this is just all like fans figuring it out and dumping it online. Um, like the like most Star Wars version of that would be like how they figured out that one dude that had like the ice cream maker that was in that one scene of like a Pirate Strikes yes. Back. Yeah, so true. But no, um, so this Argens, they win. They get new Zords um, that are from the second series of Power Rangers which is die ranger which is the next thing we're talking about so die ranger is very popular it's like one of those like beloved mid-90s sentais like fans love it um it's the second regular series to have like a sixth ranger the first one was the ranger which is like where the green ranger comes from um the 17th episode i think is when their sixth ranger that um keep ranger whose costume would be used for the white ranger comes out and um he's actually like a kid which is like weird but um, what are your thoughts on Die Ranger and on like this? What is like a quintessential like ninety Sentai? Man, I so I ended up watching what like ten or twelve episodes of it. Yeah, because it was not remotely close to what I thought it would be. Um, because the the camp in it feels way different. Um, and yeah, we and and like speaking of Clive Barker, like the horror, um, clear homages and like tone sensibilities are very present. in it um i was also really surprised by how serialized it. yes like the whole thing really felt like watching a, a 
especially for how old it is, you know, like in the States here, people, people compliment like the shield and what, like 2005 for like kind of kicking off this new phase of TV we're watching, but this was like yeah. serialized long form storytelling. Um, it was, I, I really, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like, it was the same thing, you know, especially it's, it's much more grounded. Um, but then when you combine that with all the insane monster stuff that we know from power Rangers, it almost makes it like kind of a crazier ride. Cause the, the lore is a little clearer. Um, which I like to like, it definitely just kind of felt more coherent. I would say like, yeah, I've watched, watched a ton of power Rangers as an adult, you know, I like, you know, we'll throw on, you know, every once in a while, watch like for an hour on Netflix. Usually we're like maybe a little drunk when it comes on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, I thought like, I mean, sure. It's like, it's, it, it, it's like, I would say it's soapy more than it's campy with all the character stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, you have, you have the male character who's a hairdresser, which I thought was like kind of like progressive as hell. You got like the every man working at a restaurant. Like it's definitely not like like the sleek, sexy group of teens chilling at the yogurt stand or whatever it is. Like yeah, it was like so much more like intense and like dangerous. The, I mean, I loved the um the like head of the gorma where these like they were like part BDSM daddies. They, yeah, truly. But then also they felt a lot like um the original Zod and Feyor to me from yes. those original Superman movies. Um, but they're like still like I mean, man, like every episode because the I don't know. Do the monsters always show up in a human form on Die Ranger, or just very frequently they have a human form they switch into? Very. They were frequently. all. Yeah. They were very strange. All of them were like, they were like. I mean, the Yo Yo Kid was like creepy and weird. The you know the episode we watched that like it, it's also also strange to me that a lot of the Gorma had like when they're in a human form they had like a silent actor like Charlie Chaplin thing going on. Like, yeah. A lot of them had like this like black motif and like their their faces would be whited out. So it was like sort of mimey. Like mm-hmm. I mean. It's just fascinating to watch, you know, especially like nowadays, like, you know, they say hero's journey, every, every movie, you know, there's only six different plots or whatever. And every movie kind of follows these same beats or everything's a reboot or remake. Like Watching the show, I'm like, this is just so weird and of itself. My girlfriend would walk, would walk in sometimes, she'd be like, what's going on? I was like, you want to know? The only thing you can do is sit down for five minutes. Because it like, for me, either trying to catch you up or to try to backfill you, like this thing is just, it's its own ride. But I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. And um, like, it's just, um. I did have like a moment of like panic when you told me that you'd like just watched episode like 10. It's like, um, like my comparison is the uh, 12th episode of Die Ranger. I felt like was like a perfect companion to the 15th episode of the, the second season of Power Rangers, which is like what uses that same monster. And I was like, oh no, did he think like to watch them all? But like then to find out like it was like just you going through. And it's such a interesting watch and like something that like um we talked about. um we compared in our first episode our um, two favorite monsters, um, Pudgy Pig and Eye Guy, to those episodes in the previous season where those monsters like appeared, and it was it's really interesting how like Sentai, at least at that point, seemed to be much more about like um, looking at the problems or the fears of children, and then like the actual like team is like trying to help out like and solve and make sense of these different fears and these different kind of like societal problems more than they are Ooh. like kind of like a plot you know yeah totally that's super smart yeah it really does they all they all personify different that's fascinating especially because it doesn't especially that show doesn't feel i mean for being really cynical about it, it doesn't feel like like a toy machine you know like it doesn't feel like you know i've written for you know toy driven animation shows on you know we need a car this week part out a car for the show um but like you're saying it, it it really was like the theme the thematic stuff and yeah it was such a yeah it was it's definitely especially you know i will say this is where i'll bow with the altar to the much stronger voice you know it's like a comic nerd 
or a person that's been in the comic shop, you know, I know Common Rider and I know Ultraman and stuff like that. But the more I dealt, you know, someone that's been preaching, oh, I'm making this American indie comic that that uses this rich vein of Super Sentai. I didn't know how rich this genre vein was. Yeah, I've really dealt like it's it's so funny. It's you know, we felt confident about the first volume, but I'm like, Bruno, we got to do like four more because there's just so much to talk about. There's so much stuff. I mean, any given episode, like there was, I think it's Die Ranger, like five or six, when she goes to like that weird, like desert world to unlock the orbs. I was like, all right, now it's this whole, totally bigger, crazy other thing. Uh, but it was, it was just a ride. Yeah. And, um, like, uh, two shows that are like very beloved are, uh, Jetman, which is the show right before, right before Power Rangers, like one year before, and, um, Kaku Ranger, which is the ninja one that Power Rangers gets, like, their third season from those are also like very good just like just like hardcore awesome like very like like just straight like badass shows and like i like i like how this episode is basically just like a kid is upset that drunk people are destroying her, her dad's tofu shop and then finds out there's a weird <laughs> monster behind it and i love this monster he's so fucking his creepy eye and his mouth and his like cool design i see why yeah, they I- couldn't like a why they couldn't switch costumes because they couldn't have like a green ranger that was like attacking like the grunts and the nuts and like one ranger that was like <laughs> using like drunken boxing that wouldn't fly yeah but i thought because i watched the american one first and i was like oh there's this like you know where they obviously they i mean it must be such a fascinating challenge to try to you know watch a clip of this and say how do i how can i how can i build to those you know big fight scenes um, yeah but <laughs> not realizing i was like oh it's just like this weird like sort of like angular white blockhead monster with exactly horns. and then you realize that had like once i realized it was like a tofu thing i was like oh yeah because then then his chest makes sense because his chest looks like a, a package of like little pieces of tofu all piled together too but he was i, I mean the jet i will say the japanese one this is where i'm gonna sound like a real nerd hipster but the japanese one was just so fun and weird like because he like was really just like kind of all about antagonizing them but that was kind of what i was saying before he's a monster that really like doesn't take himself seriously like he's there to like vex people but he's not there to like push buildings over. Like he's not there. He's not there for like genocide necessarily. He's just like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like, truthfully. And like, it is like wild to see how frugal they were. Cause like, I didn't mention it, but, um, in like the, um, it was like very weird to see, but in the, um, in the episodes, like where they were like starting season two, all the scenes of like their Zord stuff and them getting like attacked by their Zords was literally the same scenes from the arc we had just watched with the the green ranger showing up except for they'd put some like white filter on some of like the like scenes like to make them look like they were being mind controlled <laughs> right right <laughs> so then to see this episode uh where um in the american version they literally just had a couple reaction shots of the monster and the fight scene they didn't actually fight him because like i guess like like they didn't want to like get the studio film more stuff cuz basically all the monsters they fought on the beach were just suits that they had from like the last season that were like locally shot monsters. So they yeah, skipped is- making new seeds, basically. I mean, I guess that was a cool way to do a like a budget saver. Like you know, at some point you do that like clip show catch up episode, um, which I was like, okay, I guess this is a way to like use them all without it feeling too you know having kind of like a a Wizard of Oz behind the curtain pulling the strings. I think made it like a little more fun. You know, it was fun to see them all. I like that the end of the show was like a drinking contest that turned into like a cool fighting contest and all the die rangers have like great fighting styles and like they feel so distinct and um that end with like there's certain dumb stuff too like 
headache attack is when you make them drink this kind of sake and then you punch them in the face. Oh, yeah, while, yeah, on like the yo-yo string. Another one, and he can't help himself. If you throw that bottle in his hand, he will drink it. Yeah, and it was just like a, it felt like it was also like speaking back to things like martial arts movies and that kind of stuff. And like, just like, I love that, like, they had like that old school, like, drunken master, like Gord, too. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, say with that giant dish and things. Um, and I thought it was like a weird, I mean, not meta is not the right word, but like a semi rule breaking moment. I was like, wait a minute. The Die Rangers can all dress like the little tuxedo minions. Yeah, people? that was interesting. Yeah, which was like a good plan. And also like not something I'm kind of used to um, seeing, in, you know, the the American show. It's usually just sort of like a button mashy, like, oh, no, it's a level yeah. you know, seven power monster. Good thing we're level. We'll use a level eight attack and then we kill him. Like this was watching a team have to kind of react and inform and then build this plan. I thought it was kind of fun. Like they're never clever. And um, like that whole like for Die Rangers, like, oh, we have to stop this like one tofu shop and save this one girl. It does not reflect at all in like the like American one, which is um that episode um is where you have um it's called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Park, which sounds real cool, but basically <laughs> Zach has a has like a um cousin Curtis, who is my favorite character in Power Rangers so far, I think cousin Curtis, who's like moving from St. Louis and is like a jazz trumpeter and like really good at it. And their uncle Louis, I wonder if it was like a Louis Armstrong joke incredible he's just the only jazz trumpet player that anybody in america knows so that's why they just went ahead uh louie why not and so basically like since curtis is moving like his trumpet's not here yet so like zach says take my uncle louie's trumpet which he doesn't even like have a case for his famous uncle's trumpet <laughs> yeah he just walked through the park with it his and he puts it in he's... the sand when they fight buddies <laughs> i just love how they're like well we have this tofu drunken monster he has horns on top. I guess we'll make him a trumpet monster. And also, if it's a trumpet, it has to be our one black character is related to Louis Armstrong. It's also like weird because it, it wasn't really like a Zach episode either necessarily. I mean, it had no. like the bookends on it because that because they also made like because cousin Curtis shows up. He's like, well, I'm a jazz musician. And all the Power Rangers are like, oh, we all love jazz music. We'll be front row for your show and we'll all stand there snapping our fingers while you play at our like sexy teen yogurt shop. It was like, so it was a very, I mean, I, I guess you look at that guy because again, that Die Ranger episode was like crazy. It was all dr- like drinking and I don't know, debauchery. So I guess it's like, well, I guess the horns aren't problematic, but yeah, they could, they just couldn't for the life of them try to find something to do with it. Yeah. It's just like the trumpet does a spell and they see old monsters and then they get over it and they have like a two second fight scene <laughs> with, with the main monster. There's like another great song where just randomly while they're in the park fighting unmorphed and now they can fight like the like super putties. But there's like this song that just goes, you can't go in at midnight. <laughs> I was like, was what are you fu- talking about? Please. That was a that was a fight scene where they're all there. I mean, they're doing so many backflips. Like, yeah. like it was like it's like a semi parkour video because they're using like every bit like they I mean, weirdly, it's was so ingrained in my head that she kicks that guy up the slide. She kicks him so hard yeah. he lands on the slide and goes up it. Um, but you're right, like, she gets her moves because it's, you know, um, now that face mapping is the thing, I always point people that you can watch the original trailer for Kingsman. Uh, there's a scene when Eggsy does, like, a backflip and you see Taron Edgerton's face on it and it just looks like, it looks like a Snapchat filter of, like, someone put a sticker of Taron Edgerton's face yeah. on this character. But that's why it's such, you're, you, to your point, you're definitely right that this scene is where you really get to see I guess especially now that we're in the middle of the second season, they've, you know, 
presumably at this point had two to three years of whatever regiment they put put them all through. Um, but yeah, they definitely make the most of it. This is like 70 odd weeks into being power just for these like three, which is wild to think of. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I can't get over just like the music and like how much work they're doing in these like cool playground fights. And like, I get they don't do them as much now because they don't want to find people who can like act and do stunt work the same way. Like they do their best. Right. And like they probably have some better actors on. But like to see like Billy and like denim overalls doing backflips. It's just like, what is going on? <laughs> what do you, why are well, you going through this? That beach fight, when the mole shows up, that thing, it does a backflip with that suit on. I can't oh, right? imagine how difficult that was. Yeah, like, unreal. On sand, too. <laughs> yeah, on sand, on an incline. It's going down yeah. into the beach. <laughs> that, but whoever's inside that thing must just be, that's, that's the memoir I want. Like, this is like, the same thing as like professional wrestling, like just like you're doing these wild things that should kill your body, but it's fine because you like know how to fall or whatever. Yeah, truly. I mean, it's just such a yeah, it's it's just wild. Cause I'm trying to think the a lot of the Die Ranger stuff, they were sort of in, especially the episodes I watched are sort of like in reminds me of like the, the Marvel Netflix shows. They're always sort of in like alleyways or like on a pier or yeah. like a dock somewhere or a warehouse. Um, whereas I guess the American one, they really do. They just I mean, anywhere they like. All right, stunt guy, put on. It reminds me of like those old Ninja Turtle movies where they had to put the air conditioning like into the mouths and try to keep them alive. Like, all right, get the giant rat thing out to I don't know the desert because we're gonna make him fight over here. They'll fight on the beach and they'll fight in the park and and yeah, like I just um like that they're doing stuff like for real. Like I like that there's like some work being put into this versus just like a thousand cuts and like fixing it in post. Like I like like that there's like some stunt work there and like I'm like a big fan of like when you see like the actor that does like spend the time, like how it's like, um, Oh, like a lot of the reason for like the success of like the John Wick movies, for example, is that like there's stunt people doing their jobs. There's like, sure. Maybe like you'll notice that this dude had long hair and a beard and now he's completely bald here. <laughs> it's fun when you see people like apply their craft. And it felt like with a lot of these, they were in a way that like they don't always. And like, I haven't like watched many current shows, but like they do in current shows um and yeah just what a f- weird a weird adaptation there's lots of stuff like the jazz band that curtis plays with it is like all incredible white dudes with like goatees and like wild 90s <laughs> hair just <laughs> oh my gosh it's totally la la land like it's hilarious to watch it after that movie won won the award it's like yeah it's just such a strange just, i guess i guess they couldn't find anything else to do with the trumpet it's such a strange choice because i like you think like school marching band or something would be a more natural choice, but they went for it and they tried. I guess we kind of got half of a Zach episode, so I guess that's cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think that like it's weird to like to consider like this is like our like first half or first part of like the second season of Power Rangers and like also like to look at Die Ranger. And yeah, just it's, I like seeing just when you get to see like in both shows, like the action being done by the actors, like you can really like appreciate it. Sometimes the stories aren't always there, but. It's just um, like a very fun, like, there's so much here. And like, I'm just like, love watching before they maybe like, got to rely on like, certain kinds of wire work or CG or like, before like the budget got slashed or Power Rangers or like, they just found a way to like, do it. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely smoother. Because like, like, whenever the fight scenes start, like, it's just on the music drops and they go for it. You know, definitely, like you're saying, like, you can tell, you always kind of tell in like modern stuff, people are like, kind of like hitting their marks run up stop here and then like a lightning tornado happens or something like that this never quite felt like that it's like you like run up you get 
tossed back by some wires into some boxes and then it's like oh no i better <laughs> yeah. do something and yeah i thought they're both um pretty good like bottle episodes though yeah like you're looking for kind of one especially the die ranger one because those those with the openings i think were like 20 minutes so like yeah you, you know skip skip past the credits you can do one of those and like an especially long bowel movement you really feel like it like you can probably polish you one of those in six minutes or 16 minutes um uh, how awesome is the music for die ranger yeah very awesome yeah right excellent <laughs> And maybe that's why he changed his name. He's like, I'm never going to beat that guy. But yeah, it was great. Uh, across the board, though, I thought I think the acting is all pretty good in it. I think I mean, you know, it's funny that the language barrier, I think in some ways sort of helps. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know. I, I'm only judging off body posture and stuff like that. Um, but it all it all felt pretty real to me, especially it's like, you know, these crazy situations of like a little girl is being held hostage on top of a bunch of construction equipment or whatever. But like you're saying, that, like he drops into scenes and grabs people and throws them and like it all feels feels super real. I love Curtis. He's a great character. He's my favorite character, Power Rangers. I wish we saw more of him. Uh, Ready for the comeback. I'd even brought that new CD at the last scene, and like where, where like everybody starts dancing to this weird like techno polka again, which is like do 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 do, and it's just like a weird remix of the polka skull theme, but everybody's dancing in the youth center. I was just, uh, oh man, and their their subplot with the foot molds is just like so outrageous that like I'm it, it's. I didn't realize they cut away to them a lot. They got like yeah. five scenes. I feel like, like weirdly, like I'm surprised it's not like a clean. Here's what they're up to. Here's maybe what in the middle of it, let them finish it. But when he walked in with a giant foot cast, it's like ridiculous enough. That I'm kind of into it. It's like, that's just so over the top and hilarious. It costs no money to cut the bulk and skull. They could just be like, what props did you steal from the set of babysitters club today? Okay. <laughs> you got four scenes. Do it. I mean, they like, but they inch that plot forward. Here's what we're going to do. Cut back. Here's how we're going to do it. Now we're going to start doing it. Like, this is wild, but good for these guys. I mean, they're, they're good soldiers and they go for it every single time. Yeah. They got paid for a long time. Like they were in like six seasons of Power Rangers or something, which is wild for that original run. Cause isn't the one guy still in it now? Or is it, he shows up sometimes. Uh, I think one of them came back for like a, a season recently. And one of them was on like their Twitch series that they did. That was like a actual play Power Rangers. I think huh, I'm not super cool. sure. Yeah. But no, um, so that is the start of season two of Power Rangers. There's a lot there. There's a lot in Die Ranger. I'll tell you, I don't want to, I don't want to open a can of worms, but I have seen game episodes of Game of Thrones that I liked less than the sum total of Die Ranger. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 especially watching Die Ranger is like, you get to enjoy it for what it is, but it, I know for a fact it's not nostalgia. Cause like I didn't, I mean, I guess I see the monsters and the robots are semi familiar, but on it, like on its own merits, it's a pretty fun little show. Yeah, and like honestly, um, it at least has competent showrunners. Um, yes, very no, much so. I will not get into it, but I was a hardcore season three on hater with a capital Ada on two Game of Thrones. But uh, oh, beyond me that, open those wounds. Yeah, stuff. Uh, no. Um, so Ryan, where can people find you and your project, Super Scouts? So. Best place to find me, I'm on Instagram at Plastic Sword Press, uh, which is named after all the crazy old Power Ranger toys I had as a kid, because I think everyone, almost everybody from the 90s probably has a picture of them holding a plastic sword at some point. So that's over on Instagram at Plastic Sword Press. Uh, Facebook.com slash Plastic Sword Press. You can read uh, the first issue of all my series. I have, I think, seven series out now, uh, completely for free. Um, over on Twitter, I'm at Mr. Ryan Comics, M-R-R-Y-A-N-C-O-M-I-C-S. Uh, and Super Scouts number two is going to be on Kickstarter for a couple more days, uh, I believe, after this airs. So you can Google Super Scouts Kickstarter, Super Scouts num- uh, number two, and you'll find the issue. 
and definitely consider it because um it's a very good value like what you're putting out there and also like it just um like you just um put out a like pretty responsible like kickstarter like i thought where like there wasn't the risk of not fulfilling that can make people like a little shy because like there's people that maybe don't understand what kickstarter is so like that puts more responsibility onto you yeah so my my yeah my golden rule with that is um before i go on the kickstarter before i launch a campaign the book is or at least the issue i'm kickstarting is completely um done it's finished art's done lettered proofread thank god for my wonderful editor cody um but so what we're all we're raising money for is to print it uh and to ship it because um, i believe in in physical comics i like putting my phone down curling up in the corner and reading a crazy adventure um, i have them all printed domestically in the united states uh, i'm in los angeles they're printed up outside sacramento uh, so usually after a kickstarter ends people start getting them in the mail within two weeks um so my my my, my yeah my, my my true honest goal is like look if people are going to give me their hard-earned money i want to get them as much book as quickly as possible um so that's why we're right now we're a 33 page issue um we're just shy of our second stretch goal to add three more pages which is for free for all tiers um make it as big and big and awesome as it can um so both issues are on there all my other series are on there as well if you want to catch up uh, we're doing a manga edition which i'm really proud of which is a small little ashcan manga volume with a square binding and black and white pages very cool bruno's original inks on there they're they're super awesome um but yeah support indie comics you know american mainstream comics are a weird place right now but but we're still going strong and you know my my, my one of my biggest things is like i have no ed- i mean i have an editor who proofreads me but i have no corporate overlords who try to stop me and anything so the stories i try to make them as big and fun as humanly possible so, um digital copies are on there if you want to you know jump on those are sent out within a week after the kickstarter ends so if you want to take a ride read what i think is my attempt at sort of americanizing uh super sentai tropes without totally taking all the fun out of it check out super scale that is awesome and just a note um this will be up um on monday so we are still there while um while your kickstarter is still active and then on friday there will be a normal episode you could find uh, me on Twitter.com at James Forge, the podcast at Come Ride With Me, ComeRideWithMe.com, and sending questions to podcast at ComeRideWithMe.com. We're currently trying to surge um, on our five-star reviews on iTunes, and we and uh, for each one, you'll get a shout-out on the show. And four or five, I think, uh, we do a, a like new bonus episode for you all. So yeah, um, our last ritual is every episode, we consider what, what we've seen. We think... What is the a crime that people should in the next week commit? Hard to tell. What I'm going to say, um, get drunk and watch Super Sentai. <laughs> I'll see um, you all next time. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.